10 of From the Shed End podcast. As always, myself, T-Dot, and um, I'm joined by fellow co-host. So do you want to just introduce yourself? Hey guys, it's Theo here on, and on Twitter at Sesky Time. Um, bit of a, <laughs> a disappointing uh, podcast today, but I think there's a lot of uh, interesting discussion to follow as we've got our, another, we've got a Leicester fan <laughs> who is going to introduce himself now as well. Hi guys, Jack here from Leicester Fan CV. Um, hope everyone's well and enjoyed the game on Saturday. Uh, very great game. Um, first time FA Cup champions, Leicester. So yeah, we made history on Saturday. Um, now it's just time to focus on the next game in hand, which is Stamford Bridge on Tuesday. Yeah, it's going to be an important game, which we can we can discuss later. Um, but what I wanted to do, um, and I'll, I'll come to um, Theo first, obviously, um, give your thoughts about, well, first of all, you went to the game, which was something we haven't said in a while. Um, so just talk us through what it was like, the experience of, of going to the game, obviously being there, and, and what was that like? Yeah, I mean, before I kind of talk about the experience, I just wanted to congratulate Leicester. I think it's the fair thing to do. Uh, first FA Cup since the 60s, I think. And if we are going to lose to a team in a cup final, let it be Leicester rather than a Spurs and Arsenal. And <laughs> I agree. I agree. So a fair play to Leicester and congratulations. Um, match day experience was amazing. I mean, by the results, just to be back in a, a full, I mean, not a full stadium, but just be back in a stadium around fans, match day atmosphere, you know, the build up, walking to Wembley, taking the tube, absolutely buzzing. And, you know, I just kind of made the day out of it. Met my friend, you know, before the, the, sta- the getting into the stadium. Um, just missed the chance, the football banter. And it was good, you know, as well, you know, well organized as well. I think, you know, it's even the type of thing they could have even let more fans into the ground with the, you know, the way it was in the upper tiers of the, the stadium. But, um, you know, each, each team had their side of the stadium. Um, fans were respectful of social distancing, but in between the seats, at least they did wear their masks. So I think, you know, it's looking good for, for the start of next season. I think having fans back into the grounds. And obviously the next round of Premier League fixtures will have fans, which is really good from a football fan perspective. Yeah, definitely. And and Jack, did you did you was you able to go yourself or did you Yes, I travelled down to Wembley on yeah. Saturday to watch the boys. Um you couldn't miss it for the world, could you? Um no, Leicester's first FA Cup final since nineteen sixty nine. Uh the last time we went to the old Wembley where we played Manchester City and lost one nil. Um but previous to the FA Cup final on Saturday, we'd lost four times. So we had four bridesmaids of, on four weddings and never got the bride down the aisle <laughs> on, on Saturday. Thankfully, we actually got the bride down the aisle for the first time on the fifth occasion. So, yeah, it were all joyous. The crowd were amazing. Um, it was just good to be back on an away game. Um, away games bring so much experience, so much entertainment. The atmosphere is fantastic. And I think both sets of teams, respectably, played a good game. Um, second half, I thought, was better than the first half. I thought the first half was about getting a feel of how each other's going to play in the final. And then second half, uh, quite a lot of entertainment. A, v- a VAR decision, um, a y- Yuri Tillemans banger into the top corner, um, and a Leicester City win for the first time in the FA Cup. So, yeah, we took the trophy home on Saturday. So it was just fantastic to do that. Um, and I cried like a baby at half time, which I'm not embarrassed to say. So yeah. to see my team win the FA Cup for the first time, it's massive. Um, and yeah, I enjoyed the, all the day. We did quite a lot of content on Leicester Fan TV at Wembley that day, before the game, after the game, during the game, you know. So we thoroughly enjoyed it. And it was a great day's work for us. Yeah, and I think it was obvious to see as well what it meant to Leicester as a as a club, the owner, you know, everything that the club have been through as well um, over the last couple of years. So it meant a lot, and you could see that it meant a lot to Brendan Rodgers as well, which you don't really see that unity from a, a club from the top to the bottom. You know, the owner coming on to lift the, the trophy. I think it was um, Kasper Schmeichel was sort of bringing him <laughs> towards it. So it was good to see that because, uh, you know, we talk about, even, you know, an Arsenal or Spurs, you don't really see that kind of connection with that, you know, the unity there from the club. Yeah, yeah. Um, fantastic ownership we've got. Um, they've been here 11 years now, so it's been quite a long time. Um, Fish I had a dream to build a football team. Um, he said we'd be a top six side in years to come. And what a way to mark his words. Um, 
13 years ago, was in the third division of English football, um, travelling to like teams like Yeovil, Hartlepool, teams like that. 13 years on, since then, we've won the Premier League, the FA Cup. We've been in the Champions League, the Europa League, you know what I mean? We've had that experience and who would have thought that had happened yeah. in that short amount of time? Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Leicester have done really well. Um, Theo, I want to get your thoughts as well, and obviously my own, but what do you think went wrong um, for Chelsea? What was your initial thoughts, especially for the lineup that we, we put out as, as Chelsea? Um, what were your initial thoughts on that? I thought the lineup was spot on, if I'm honest. Um, it's kind of what we expected as Chelsea fans. Um, Werner, Kante and um, Rudiger were all rested for the Arsenal game. So it made sense for them to be reintroduced into the squad. Um, I wasn't really too shocked when I saw the starting eleven. I was, very, I think I agree with Jack. First half was a bit like, you know, trying to see how both teams were playing and it was quite boring to watch them honest. It was a bit disappointing. Uh, I think Werner's decision making at time was a bit poor. I had the perfect view in the second half of um, the, where, where we were striking, where we were trying to score in the Schmeichel's goal and you could always see him offside. So his decision making was quite poor in terms of Werner. But at the same time, credit to Fafana. He kept him out of the game quite well and he was uh, really solid at the back. Um, I think where the game really where was won for Leicester was in the midfield. I think Tillemans was credit to him. He was, he was great. And Jorginho and Kante, amazing midfielders. But, you know, you're not getting that attacking drive from someone that like Kovacic that they can offer. So it's quite, you know, conservative in midfield. And often, more often than not, we just pass it back to Thiago Silva or even back to Kepa at times to just, you know, try to keep possession and build from the back. But, you know, I said it in another podcast and in one of the previous episodes, when we have conceded under Tuchel, it's either been a defensive mistake like we saw against um, awesome. uh, Arsenal on Wednesday and also against Man City a previous weekend when Christensen made a defensive mistake, or it's a wonder goal. And we know you saw it with the Porto bicycle kick in the Champions League. And we saw it at Wembley on Saturday with the Tillerman screamer. So yeah. um, it's almost, you know, just what can you do in a situation like that? So, but as I said, lineup, yeah, I was right. I would have maybe introduced Giroud and Pulisic a bit earlier, possibly in the second half when things weren't quite going our, our way, possibly straight after we conceded. But um, otherwise, you know, just kind of like, why couldn't we just play like that last 20 minutes, you mm-hmm. know, from in the first half and from the off? Even that, that big Aspie chance, I think, really came to bite us, you know. Yeah, definitely. Kind of just missed that header, you know, in the first half. So um, it's kind of similar season, you know, it's been the same what season, kind of like wasted chances and not clinical enough in front of goal. And then it just comes to haunt us at full time. Yeah, and it was interesting because... I, I similar to you, I agreed with the lineup that we had on Saturday. But then going back and sort of reflecting, if you want to win a cup, you've you've got to put Mendy in goal. And I know we can all say that now. I just think Mendy being in goal, we know he's a better goalkeeper. We've seen Kepper from long range shots be beaten as well. In hindsight, I probably would have played Mendy. Are you saying he would have stopped the Tillemans goal, Mendy? You think? Not, I'm, not, I'm not saying, I don't think he would have stopped it. Um, I, I just, and I'm, I'm not saying anyone could stop that. I think it was a brilliant strike. He could have had two goalkeepers in there. I don't think so. And I'm not blaming him at all uh, in terms of Kepa. I just, I don't know. There was just, I I, for me, I, I don't know. I would have just started Mendy. I would have started Chilwell. I definitely would have started Chilwell because when he came on, he, from what I could see, he's, he's attacking He's, he's better going forward, I think, than Alonso in, in, in some aspects as well. Um, and maybe Tammy as well. I would have at least had him on the bench. I think he's, you know, he scored four goals in the competition, albeit against, you know, lower oppositions. But I, I do think he would have been a good option to have. Um, yeah. I agree with you. You know, I think Giroud coming on the 82nd minute, he still had Werner on. We could see Werner was was struggling. He's brilliant for pace. We know that already about him. We know that he can stretch, you know, defense and he can run behind defenders. Um, but he just he was a bit too late, too little, too late, and it was panic stations at the end for me. Um, Rudiger was, I think, even before the 60th minute, was taking shots outside the box, and it just it just seemed a bit messy and complicated from Tuchel, and it didn't need to be. Um, but one thing I will comment Tuchel on is um, the fact that he he noticed obviously that he needed to swap Aspiaqueta and Reese James over and that was probably down to Vardy's pace and the fact yeah. that he was you know Aspiaqueta would just struggle to keep up with him and I thought Reese James done really done really well to play right centre back so um, 
I do want to talk about the the handball um, and get both your views because um, you know I've spoke about it since Saturday on various different podcasts and just wanted to get your views. So um, if I come to you first, Jack, what what did you think about that that the handball? I didn't really know it was a handball because like where you sit at Wembley, it's so far away from the pitch, you can't really see it. It's just like and I've seen it hit him, but I just didn't know where. But it's like. But when I look back at it after the game, I thought, you know what, he hit his knee and then it bounced up. So it's like, he's, there's nothing he could have actually done with it. Do you know what I mean? I could understand if it was deliberate and he'd actually like pushed it up towards his hand on purpose, but he didn't. It, it's the way the ball come at him. I think it was Kante, was it, who cleared it? Or was it Rudiger? James. James I think Kante, it might Was it James? Yeah. 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 So I think Perez bodied it, didn't he, quite well. Um I don't think it was an intentional handball to be given like that VAR decision-wise, but, you know, I just think Chelsea was sloppy with the ball, clearing it, and then obviously they made that mistake, didn't they? They gave Tillemans too much space, too much space. and then whipped it round Thiago Silva and then into the back of the net, top corner. And, you know, fully deserved goal, because I thought we worked hard second half. We found how Chelsea's weaknesses was the way they played first half and we just exposed them quite a bit. Um, obviously, Thiago's not the quickest of defenders, is he? Um, mm. Rudiger can make the odd mistakes. Reese James, he's... It's, I could say he's the same as Chilwell. He's got so much pace going forward, he can... A lot to burn. But when it comes to the defensive side of it, he's a bit shaky about it. But I don't think it was handball, really, because it wasn't intentional. I don't think VAR looked at it because it wasn't like deliberate so I don't know what you guys thought of it but that's my point of view yeah and and Theo do you, do you agree or do you disagree with, with what Jack's saying I'll agree with when I was when I was at Wembley I didn't even notice it was a handball and you know I don't think every any Chelsea fan around me noticed it was a handball it was you know after full time when you open up Twitter and you see that image of Iosi Perez with the ball you know touching his his arm but it's a bit of a tricky one because I do agree it wasn't deliberate. It wasn't an intentional handball. Um, it's just a bit confusing now with what is considered as a handball, what's not considered as a handball, what's considered as a handball, you know, to prompt a VAR check. Um, the one thing that kind of frustrated me was knowing that had that not touched his hand, they would have sent the ball in another direction, meaning, you know, it could have maybe not led to Tillerman scoring. That's when you start to realize possibly it could have changed the whole kind of, you know, way the game planned out. But um, but then I did read some read into the rules a bit more, and it said if the ball touches your arm after another part of your body, then it's not worthy of a VAR check, and you know the goal can stand. But then in the past, I've seen so many goals that you know have have had exactly that same kind of contact with the with Tillman, um with Iosi Perez's part of the hand, and the, the goals have been ruled out. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if the rules have changed, you know, mid season or something like that. But most recently, um. The one I saw on Twitter that really stood out to me was Tammy Abraham's handball against Ajax in the yeah. 4-4 draw against them in the Champions League last season. It touched Abraham's hand. I think Azpilicueta put it in the net at the end and they, you know, they ruled it out. But, um, but yeah, just a bit more clarification around the rules around handball would be great. And also, I think for fans like myself and Jack who are at Wembley, just to, you know, have that on a big, not big screen because it might cause controversy, but just a bit more understanding you know even the VAR check we didn't even know a VAR check was happening I feel but um or, you know the ref didn't really kind of make it clear and then he just instantly you know decided you know to to rule out the Chilwell goal but it's just you know I kind of forgot about that feeling of being in a stadium having all that controversy decisions VAR checks and how it all kind of plans out but it's a very I think 60% handball 40% not a handball and goal should stand so I guess it's just a luck really of the the referee and the decision. Yeah. And I agree. I agree with both of what you, what you both said to an extent. Um, they've definitely been given in the past. I think, you know, we've, we've seen it where they've, they've pulled it back and they've said it's handball and that's probably happened to us. Like you mentioned with uh, Abraham and I'm sure if it was a, you know, the other way around and it was, you know, Chelsea go on to score and it's less, I'm sure you'd, you'd feel probably the same to some extent, Jack, as well. So I do think clarity is needed, um, not even more so just at the stadiums, but just for everyone, you know, so so many grey areas, um, I feel now with VAR introduced as well, um, you know, what's offside, what isn't offside, um, you know, can he be offside with his arm that he can't score with, or it, it's so many. So um, seeing as we're talking about VAR, let's talk about the offside that may or may not have been offside. 
for me person for me personally I'm going to be honest and, and say if he can't score with his arm or he can't score with his shoulder or whatever they deemed offside it, it isn't really should should it should it really be offside I don't know um so Theo if I come back to you um to get get your views first on, on what you think I mean again with the the way VAR's worked this season and the goals that they VAR's ruled offside I guess it is offside because we've seen literally toenails, we've seen armpit, armpit hair even offsides. So, you know, that's part of the shoulder in that still image that I saw. I guess it is worthy of an offside. But the one thing that kind of frustrated me to a certain extent is the still image they used to rule it offside. It looked like the ball had already departed Thiago Silva's foot. You know, the exact, you know, frame per second they used. So that's when you start thinking, you know, had they just been like a 0.01 second earlier, maybe Chilwell's shoulder would have been onside with, I think it was Wes Morgan or Fafana. So it's a very tricky one. And I do agree with you as well. It's, can you score with that part of the body? If, you know, you can, you can carry on playing a goal, you know, with, like Iosi Perez did with his arm. I think surely like that part of your body kind of, you know, shouldn't be, should be allowed to be kept onside or I don't. It's it's a tricky one. It's I'm very what advantage. Kind of, what advantage is that shoulder no. doing being on? It's not. It's not doing anything for the game. It's it's just for me personally. It's ruining football. If I'm honest, but that's my my opinion. Not because of Saturday, but overall as well. Yeah, and as well, just the moment we had in the Chelsea end when that went in to have that kind of taken away from us. I've seen just, on the, It's gone viral. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. it's heartbreaking. Like I was just I was I was in the stands when Reese James and Giroud, not Reese James, sorry, Giroud and um Chilwell came knee sliding in over. front and yeah. I got the phone out to take the video and <laughs> just had to straight away delete it, delete. you know. But, but yeah, it's moments like that he's taken away from us. It is a bit a bit heartbreaking. And you know, when you're on TV, at least you celebrate and then straight away you see like the ref go like this, you know, put his, his fingers against his ear, whereas in the stadium you don't have that. So mm. Yeah. It's, I do agree with you, it is a bit, it's kind of ruining football and I feel there should be more clarification of how, even how they draw the lines. I feel it's very kind of, very, the quality of the, the screen is not great as well and the pixels, you could be a pixel offside now. So I think mm-hmm. it needs a big reviewing this summer VAR, but I'd, I'd love to know what you think, Jack, from a less than fan <laughs> perspective. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you know what? Yeah, the, the way Chilwell acted with us before he left, yeah. I was glad he was gone for fifty million pounds because we would have snapped your hand off for that. Um, <laughs> to sitting there laughing at us getting knocked out by you guys at the King Power one 0 with Ross Barkley and that it didn't go down well with Leicester fans. Leicester fans didn't really rate Chilwell as a player before he left. Um, they said he were an attacking player going forward. He was fine coming forward it's when it comes to his defensive and end product. He's not really got that. Um, I don't know what you guys think of Chilwell, but the VAR decision, I don't know, like, it's the slightest of margins, isn't it? When they whip them lines out and uh, it's just like, what's actually happening? And VAR never even came on the screen, did it, until it said that Ben Chilwell had scored. And I didn't realise it were offside because I rang the father and I said, what's happening? He said, oh, it's offside. I said, is it? And Wembley didn't even get it until like a minute later. And I was like, what's going on here? Is it given? Is it not? And then you just see Michael Oliver go like that and it's like mad and Chilwell's antics, he like slid right in front. I was like, mate, he celebrated against Leicester proper disrespecting us and everything. I was like, mate. And we actually had the last laugh on him. So, yeah, no. you know, it, it was like a goal. Um, the VAR decision <laughs> game rolled out. Um, it was like a second goal for Leicester. Yeah. But, we celebrated more for the VAR than what we did for the actual Tillemans yeah. goal. Yeah, that's, what, that's what I noticed in the Chelsea end. Like the, the the roar of the Leicester fans felt like they'd yeah. made it 2-0 rather than, you know, disallowed Chelsea goal. So it's just felt mad. like a goal for you guys. I think, you know, Soyuncu went to clear it on the line and then Wes got in the way and then it hit wires and come back and then it went in. I was like, oh my days. I thought it was Yarudu who scored it first. They caught Ben yeah. Chilwell. I thought he's joking, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it didn't end well for Chilwell in the end. He went laughing when it got ruled out. <laughs> I think I think it's important as well because to to, to outline the pass from Thiago Silva, which was a brilliant. I mean, it it, it took out the defense, didn't it? Really, and I, I think if he if he released the ball even half a second earlier, that would have stood because I think the way that Chilwell timed his run was 
was to perfection. It was just that Silver held onto the ball just that bit, just a half a second too long. I don't know why he did that, but he did. Um, but it was, I mean, it was, it was a brilliant pass, you know. I think it was a shame that the goal didn't stand, but I wanted to touch on, uh, Kasper Schmeichel because I think he was outstanding. <laughs> I really, no, I do. I think he was brilliant. You know, he, he done well. We have to credit him because he, he doesn't get the credit in terms of a goalkeeper. Um, you know, everyone talks about Edison and Allison, but, and I'm not saying he's at, at that level, but he's definitely a goalkeeper that has been consistent for Leicester. Um, he proved it on Saturday. I mean, he, how he kept that Mason Mount one, you know, out, out the goal. I mean, that was, I mean, I, I, I did actually think that was it. That was going to be it. That's going to go in. Um, and obviously when you get the Chilwell, I think had that Chilwell goal gone in, I think we would have gone on to win. And that's just, I think Leicester were looking on the back foot at that point anyway. Um, Brendan had brought on his subs to just, take off the tired legs and he just put on big wears to make sure you defend everything, get your head on everything, get it or get everything out of the box and um, Leicester were on the back foot then. So I think if it had gone into extra time, I, I think w- the way we were playing, you know, Hudson-Odoi coming on, Giroud, um, we probably would have potentially gone on to hopefully have won that, but we never know now. Yeah, I think had the Chilwell girl stood and it would have been 1-1 extra time. I can only see Chelsea winning it with the substitutions we made. Pulisic look really, really sharp as well. Havertz, I think, you know, coming on. Even Hudson Adoy, very in attacking formation. Hudson Adoy as right wing back. I could only see us maybe snatching another goal, um, you know, early on in extra time. But um, but yeah, gotta credit Casper Schmeichel. I mean, again, the the way I was, um, my seats at at Wembley, they were you know almost perfectly aligned with the goal, and it was just you're just waiting for the net to bulge when as soon as that that shot left Mount Mount's boots. And even I think there was a header, I want a Chilwell header at one point, which he did really well to stretch. And, you know, it almost bounced back after. So you just thought maybe he'd still get a touch on it, but we'll go in after, but he managed to keep it out. So I think you, you've got to kind of, you know, put him credit, Schmeichel, and compare him to the likes of Allison nowadays, Allison Edison, even Mendy, who's got a lot of uh, praise this season. And I think Schmeichel's one of those keepers. He's got that experience. He's got a Premier League title to his name, an FA Cup to his name now. And when we were struggling to find a goalkeeper last summer, I think his name came about a few times. Kasper Schmeichel linked to Chelsea. And as a Chelsea fan, you've got to be like, yeah, I'll yeah. take that. I'll yeah. take that. You know, he's a great goalkeeper. His father is a goalkeeping legend as well. And uh, he arguably won them the FA Cup on Saturday with their save. So credit to him. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, let, let's turn our attention to tomorrow because that's probably just as important as Saturday um, for both clubs. Um, so, so Jack, I'll come to you. What are your thoughts after Saturday? Uh, unless they're going to be on that much of a high that they will switch off in some ways and Chelsea will get the win. I think it'll go on confidence of both teams. Um, Leicester obviously wants to play well again and actually turn up and get top four because if we win on Tuesday it's top four for Leicester uh, Champions League football guaranteed um, maybe we could have wrapped it up before beating teams like Newcastle and Southampton but we with Leicester we like to do it the hard way um, but it's going to be a difficult game have Chelsea's heads dropped with the younger players that they've got considering they've lost to Arsenal and Leicester now and some massive games as a Chelsea fan looking at it in um, Tuchel's got to pick them up hasn't he now um, and he's got to get them ready for Tuesday. I think Brendan Rodgers will do the same. He'll let them have Saturday night to celebrate. And then he said he got them in on Sunday morning. So he's preparing them for the game. I think Leicester will probably make about two changes on Tuesday. I can't see any more than that. We need our strongest team in the big game. So we'll be looking to win the game. But maybe I'll take a draw. Um depending on how we play, but if the confidence is high at the minute and I think the boys will want to carry on that good run and keep the confidence flowing. Yeah, and you say the two changes, do you, do you reckon you could name roughly who those two changes might be in terms of what Brendan would, would look to do to try and win the game? Um, I think, well, Johnny Evans is not going to start. He's injured, so obviously he came out in the first half, didn't he? He came off. Um, so... Mark Albrighton will probably come in, um, or maybe Pereira, um, and maybe Madison will come in for Perez. So it'd be them sort of players. Um, apart from that, I can't see any more changes. But we don't know what Brendan Rodgers' thinking is going into the game or how he approaches it. 
it's true. It's true. And I, I think from a Chelsea's perspective, um, and Theo, I know I mentioned it to you earlier that, you know, we haven't had the best of records against Leicester, um, at the bridge. But one positive that we have got is there's going to be fans, um, finally back at Stamford Bridge tomorrow, which is what, you know, we've been waiting for, um, which is, is, is going to be good for, for a Chelsea perspective. Um, I, I mean, for me, I think Tuchel will definitely, um, get the boys back and, and get their heads up. I think he, he probably would have had to have done that um, against Arsenal and obviously we, we, we did lose on Saturday but um, I still think we put in a good shift on Saturday and we, we you know we can we still be proud of how we played um, I don't think we, we played poor I mean we had I think 13 shots and three on target we we had quite a bit of the possession as well and I know that doesn't count for nothing now because you you know you don't come home with anything but um, I thought we played well in spells and I think Tuchel is the type of manager that can you know he can get players you know playing back to how they need to be. Um, the lucky thing for us as well is that the games come round so quickly. If it had been, I don't know, Thursday or Saturday, then you've kind of got a bit of doubt that kind of creeps into your mind and the play, you, you know, these players are going to want to get this out of their system straight away. And I think this is the perfect time to, to you know, to get the game played. But um, Theo, what do you think about the team selection? What, what do you reckon Tuchel may or may not change for Tuesday? I mean, firstly, we, we spoke on offline about, um, you know, this is almost uncharted territory for two coach Chelsea winning, losing two games um, on the bounce. So um, it's going to be really, really important how we can bounce back from this mentally. And what I loved after the defeat, I mean, I didn't love it, but what I liked to see after the defeat was players like Reese James and Mason Mount, who are youngsters at the end of the day, and they looked the most distraught out of all of the Chelsea players. And that says a lot about, you know, their personality and how they can, you know, they have that, you know, confidence and want and drive to bounce back. So definitely, a, you know, put in, a, put in a Reece James, put in Mason Mount, which I think are, you know, starting players in the team sheet either way. But um, I'd like to, I'd love to see Pulisic back in the team, the type of player that should have started, I think, mm-hmm. even possibly at, on Saturday. Um, every game he plays now, the way he just dribbles past players and, you know, just making it look easy or draws a foul from a player. I say I say on every podcast, but it just reminds Eden me of it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it does. So I think Pulisic should start tomorrow, and I think he will, if I'm honest. Um, I don't see why he wouldn't after being rested for you know large majority of the the, the FA Cup final. I think Chilwell will come back in, maybe get another goal, <laughs> a legitimate goal this time. <laughs> and I will say something about Chilwell. I think had he not scored in the or thought he scored in the. 90th minute I don't think he would have celebrated oh, he, would have, he would have been a lot more respectful I yeah. think he was I think <laughs> <laughs> I think he'd done that because I mean if if I yeah. scored against the club that I played for and it was the, the game that the goal that's going to get me into the you know extra time I, I would have jumped into the crowd I think and, and gone crazy so I don't I don't yeah. um, begrudge him of that but, um, but yeah. maybe now that he's seen how Leicester fans have you know treated him they booed him even when he came on yeah <laughs> I noticed that, yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah, I think Chilwell will start at left wing back. Um, I think Rhys James, actually, possibly, if again, if Vardy starts and he wants to deal with the pace of Vardy, you'd maybe have a, uh, a James as one of the, set, the three centre-backs. Mm. Maybe Christensen's fit again. Um, I'm not sure I didn't listen to the press conference, two calls press conference today about whether, you know, Christensen and Kovacic are fit or match fit at least. I think Kovacic but, is definitely match fit, but I, I'd, I'd like to say that we can keep him on the bench I think mm. I wouldn't want to rush him back um, obviously we've still got the Champions League final to to play for um, that's a big game a massive game um, and, and we have to be underdogs in that so I'd like to keep Christensen and Kovacic wrapped up in cotton wool for as long as possible um, for, for that but it, I mean it's going to be it's going to be tough I, I don't even think I'll take a point out of that game I, I really don't think any any Leicester or Chelsea can afford to take a point I think it's a game that really the way Liverpool are playing, they've got. I think they play Burnley tomorrow as well. I think they've got Burnley at Turf Moor tomorrow. So you know, if they win that, the pressure's on not just Chelsea but Leicester as well. Um, so it's it's tough. It's tough. It's going to be a tough game. Yeah, I agree. Um, they, I was asked on Friday, so the day before the FA Cup final, if I could only choose to win one of the two games, FA Cup final, or the Leicester at home the following week on Tuesday. I said Leicester at home on on Tuesday. Simply because I just think, you know, the quality of players we're looking to attract maybe in the summer Champions League mm. is so important. And, you know, it's not guaranteed with the Champions League final if we're going to win that game or not yet to qualify for next season's competition. So um, as much as, as gutting as it was to lose the FA Cup, if we're able to win tomorrow, 
and you know rest those players that can make a difference. You having rested those players that could, that could make a difference on Tuesday, then you know let it be. But um, in a dream situation, it'd be just beautiful to have Leicester and Chelsea in the Champions League and Liverpool finish fifth. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll tell you something. That's a dream. When, when that Allison goal went in yesterday, oh. my my heart skipped a beat. Honestly, it did. I was, I mean, I was I was made up for him because it you could tell again it meant so much to him after yeah. everything he's been through with his dad. But I was just I couldn't believe what I was what like. I mean, it just summed up the weekends that we were having. The women Chelsea Women's Champions League was just I can't even believe that how that went. So it was just a weekend of yeah. what else can go wrong and. The, the Champions League for for the women was just the icing on the cake, but um, it's going to be a tough game for for Leicester, tough game for for Chelsea. Um, I'm sure, like you say, there'll be a few changes for Leicester and for Chelsea, um, just to keep the players fresh as well. But it, I'm with you, Theo. You know, I mean, I, I live in Liverpool, so I can only I can only tell you how nice it will be to to be able to walk down the street and see Liverpool in the Europa League next season. It would be impressive. Yeah. yeah, but for the just what, one thing I wanted to add for the West Brom Liverpool game, um, I was busy watching it, but um, managed to switch on the moment Liverpool scored. Except that you know all the players were huddled up, you know, celebrating. Yeah, I was like, okay, they scored the winner. I was quite annoyed, and then I just saw the players, you know, disperse and Allison in the middle, you know, and I thought, surely not, surely Allison hasn't scored. But as you know, we spoke about you know with everything that's happened to him this season. Uh, I think it's quite quite emotional and quite a special moment for him. But um, but yeah, I hopefully Burnley can do us a favour tomorrow. I think he may be frozen. <laughs> it looks it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, maybe we can briefly talk about our score predictions for for tomorrow's game. It's gonna be a tricky game. Um, I'm not I'm not expecting no different from Chelsea going to the bridge. But Leicester are on a good away record, haven't they, this season? Um, I think we're. So, just about to think. You back? You I'm back. To... Apologies. I'm not sure no what just happened. Um, it just sort of froze. Uh, you was halfway through a, a sentence and I thought it was your your end. So apologies. No worries. We're just talking about our score predictions for, for tomorrow. And what, what, have we, what have we gone for? But Jack was about to, to, to give his. I'm going to go for a 2-1 Leicester win. Um, I think Kelechi will get one this time round because he missed that in the FA Cup on Saturday. Um, I'm going to go for Tillemans again. Um, if you give him that space, we'll see who the better goalkeeper is for Chelsea, won't we, on <laughs> Tuesday night. So if Tillemans gets one in the top corner, then there'll be no excuses from Chelsea because both the goalkeepers got beaten by him. <laughs> so we'll see. Um, but like you say, rules are rules at VAR and you can't argue it. You've just got to go with it, haven't you? Um, on another day, it'd probably been given as a goal, but the slightest of margins, it doesn't help. For any club, does it? If it were in a Leicester point and it would Jamie Vardy scoring that goal, you know what I mean? You'd be in the same boat, wouldn't you, with like VAR and that? Because I'm not biggest fan of VAR because you know it's unpredictable, and you don't know what's going to be given or where, where and who. And do you know what I mean? These red cards have summed it up this season as well, especially the West Ham one. Like mm, when he cleared yeah. that ball, and then he caught Chilwell, but he didn't intend to catch Chilwell and he got sent off for it. Yeah, it's, it's, just, not, it's not good enough. It's, there's, there's just not enough consistency. No. And I think I've watched Spanish football, Italian football, German football, and they all seem to have a better handle or handling of how to use VAR. You know, even at the the um, FA Cup final, the, Michael Oliver doesn't even go to check the screen. He's just, you know, he's taking whatever's said to him in his ear as gospel, you know, that's what we're going to go with. And I think as the ref, just go over, you know, it doesn't take that long, mm-hmm. go and check the screen just to confirm because, you, you know, it's an FA Cup final, it's a big game. Half the fans are going to be pissed off when they go home because of a VAR decision and the other fans are going to be, you know, made up. So it's just, you know, it takes 10, 10, 15 seconds, go and check the screen. It doesn't take long. So yeah. it, it just, you know, a bit more consistency over, they need to do a massive review and just check that it's worthwhile in the Premier League because it's costing teams points now. It's costing teams trophies. 
you know, you know, so we've got, we've, we've, we've got to, we've got to get it right or just don't use it at all. I mean, as a Chelsea fan, when I saw that West Ham red card at the London stadium, I was disgusted. You know, I thought, you know, if this is a red card, then, you know, what the game's almost gone mad. I mean, so I was quite disgusted and I was happy on the end that the, the red card got rescinded. But, um, but yeah, it, I'd love to just see more Premier League referees go to the monitor screen and review these type of decisions. You see it so often in the Champions League. Mm-hmm. I mean, think of that Giroud bicycle kick against Atletico, that long kind of check we had, you know, to review it. And in the end, you know, they saw that it came up at an Atletico player. And, you know, it does take a bit away from the game because, you know, there's a long pause. The referee looks at the screen and the replays, you know, about 10 times in a row. But if it means, you know, getting the correct decision and, you know, actually the fans seeing that the referees looked at it after being told by other people when they're in a, you know, a small broadcasting room, you know, have a look at this, then, you know, you've got about five people that have given their approval. So I'd like to see that, you know, next season in the Premier League, more referees going to the screens like you do in the Champions League and across Europe. But I agree it does need a big reviewing um, this summer and predictions for tomorrow. Uh, I mean, yeah, if Jack mentions that Tillman scores again, if I see him scoring at Stamford Bridge <laughs> in that maroon kit as well, I'm going to have like some kind of you know nightmare, a nightmare of a space for the summer. We'll but, be back um, again tomorrow, so don't yeah. worry. I did Mike admit, would I did. you again. Yeah, fingers crossed it doesn't happen. But I got my predictions. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think if we keep Iheanacho and Vardy out of the game like we did essentially at Wembley, then um, I can see us winning 2-1. And I, that's what I predicted on the app. And I think I'm feeling a Pulisic and a Rudiger goal. Yeah, that. But Rudiger. We, we're not, yeah, we, we haven't won against Leicester at Stamford Bridge since October 2016. Yeah. So yeah. it's been a long, long time coming. So fingers crossed we can get it done tomorrow. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go for two nil as well. I think at two nil, um, I think Pulisic might get two. I think he's I think he's just gonna be on fire. I think we'll keep because um, it was weird. Because I mean, I, I love Ianacho as a striker. I think he's a, a brilliant. I think City was stupid to get rid of him, to be honest. Um, but we kept him quiet. I don't know if it was just nerves. It was a big occasion for him. I'm not sure, but if we can keep him quiet on Tuesday. Um, and we know what Vardy can do, so he only needs one chance, you know. And if he gets it, he, he takes it. So we've got to keep him quiet. And I think Tuchel will do similar to Saturday. He, he'll put James at right centre back. Um, maybe I don't know. Might, might even start Hudson Odoi on the, on the wing, the right wing, because um, it was effective when he came on. I'm not sure, but um, yeah, I'm going to go two nil. I think um, two nil for me. But someone's going to be happy tomorrow. <laughs> Someone's going to be sad tomorrow, so let's hope it's a you know a result for Chelsea because we you know we, we do need picking up after Saturday, Jack. If so we you, win, you've, if we've we got win, your trophy, we'll have to get Jack back on. We'll yeah, have to get yeah, Jack back definitely. On if we win, please. You've, you've got your trophy. You, just, you can get off now. And, we're, gar- you know. we're, guaranteed, we're guaranteed Europa League now. Um, yeah, you know. So if we get top four, what does that mean for the Europa League? Is it eighth place? Yeah, it's the yeah. Europa League conference thing, isn't it? So yeah. it'll be other likes of like West Ham. Everton, whoever's down there, maybe Tottenham. Yeah, yeah Spurs are still in the mix, I think. <laughs> so, you know, so, interesting. And we're all Burnley fans tomorrow as well, I think. Oh, yeah, 100%. It's Burnley Wednesday or tomorrow. I'm not sure. I think it would make more sense it being Wednesday because Liverpool only played on Sunday, yeah, didn't they? Yeah, so, Wednesday. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I, I may have got that wrong. Burnley are quite good at turf more, aren't they? Well, um, I tell you what, it's, it's, a, it's a tough ground to go to and that's no disrespect to, to Liverpool. I mean, you know, they, they've not had the best of seasons. Um, one thing they have got in their favour is they've been brilliant away. I think their home record's been poor this season. So, um, but it's no, I mean, everyone says, you know, I think they lost 4-0, didn't they, to Leeds? Um, yeah, 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 they few, did. Yeah, so it, it doesn't mean anything, you know, and, and no. they've got fans back, you know, they've got fans back at Turf Moor. It's, it's going to be an interesting game for Liverpool. So I'm looking forward to that one. Um, we just need to get our part done first on Tuesday but I did want to mention um, because obviously there's I don't know if you guys have heard the breaking news that was on before we came on around Harry Kane Um, and I'll start with why I'm talking about Harry Kane but Tommy Abraham looks like he's on his way out of Chelsea Vardy's how old now? 32? 34 so might get another season out of Jamie Vardy he might be coming off the bench Tammy Abraham to, to Leicester next season. Can you see that, Jack? 
Do you know what? We're, we're, we're apparently going the over the line for Edward from Celtic for £18 million tonight, um, I hear. So, Tammy Abraham, for me, he's very young. He's He's got a lot to learn still. But he's a very good striker um, when he is on his day. Um, Leicester need that striker who's tall and can run. You get what I mean? And Tammy Abraham offers the hold-up play, the flicking it on, like... I don't know. I don't know if you guys remember like Steve Howard for Leicester or Leonardo Rougeau or them sorts of yeah. players. Do you know what I mean? The big lanky players who's going to yeah. flick it on behind. And I think that was what helped Kel and Vardy next season with them sorts of players playing in them roles. Um, Tammy Abraham be a great signing for Leicester. Um, the Harry Kane news, I'm not surprised because Harry Kane is, is so good. Um, he's English as well. So he's very good. Um, he wants to win trophies and I don't think Spurs are the team for him. Um, Son as well. If Son wants to win trophies, he needs to follow Harry Kane out the door because he ain't going to win trophies at Tottenham. Staying there and if you want to sit there and be happy and not win trophies, then that's up to them sort of players, isn't it? No, I know. I agree. And I, I think he said it in 2017. He had he done an interview with Thierry Henry, I think, and he said then if he, if he hasn't won anything in three years, which... I don't think they have, have they? They haven't won anything, so... They haven't won out since 2008, have they? When yeah. David Bentley played for them and then they're double in 1961. That, that was it. So, <laughs> I mean, he's got... If he wants to go down as a, you know, a, a, an Alan Shearer, who, to be fair, already, he won the Premier League, so we can't even compare him to him. But, um, Theo, can you can you see um, Harry Kane, potentially, if he was going to move from Spurs... Um, uh, you, you know, you, you look at maybe a Man City, but do they want Haaland... Um, could you see him at Chelsea if we need a you know we need someone who can put the ball in the back of the net? Is Harry Kane the answer? I mean, if we get Harry Kane, I can see us. I can see him scoring over twenty goals for us a season, hundred percent. I don't see. It's not like he's coming from abroad and needing to you know fit in or understand the Premier League and the style of play. He's coming from you know the other side of London. He's played in the Premier League now, every, almost every game for the last five or six seasons, and he's that striker we need definitely. But will mm. he come to Chelsea? With Daniel Levy at, at Spurs, and will Spurs sell him to us? Well, no, I don't think so. Yeah, I don't no. see why they would let him go to Chelsea. And if they do, they probably ask for an extra forty million. Then and you know, the rest, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and the rest, yeah. yeah. And to, you know, Real Madrid maybe would get him, you know, a bit cheaper than you know, Premier League club would like. They maybe same with a PSG or a Barcelona. But I know he wants to leave this summer, but I can't realistically see him going elsewhere at the moment simply because the clubs don't have the budget. And the Premier League clubs who do have the budget, I don't think Spurs will let him go to them. I, oh. uh, you know, unless he does a, you know, he refuses to train, which I don't think he's that type of person, you know. But um, but, but I think Abraham is, would be a great fit for Leicester, especially if they get Champions League. I think you know they need that depth, you know, the, the front three of Ianacho, Vardy, and possibly an Edouard, as you mentioned, or a or a Tammy Abraham and. I think he deserves to be playing. Let's face it, as Chelsea fans, we love Abraham. Is he good enough to be our starting nine? Maybe not, but he does deserve to get be playing um, regular, you know, regular football. You know, getting those consistent minutes as well at the highest level. So if it's Champions League, even better for him. But um, I just, I just don't think too cool. He's fun, is he really? Yeah, Abraham, yeah. you know, I thought you guys were going to bring him on, but mm-hmm. I think Giroud, you know, Giroud some. I, I hate him when he plays against Leicester because he scores <laughs> quite a few goals. Um, but I'd love him at Leicester, Giroud. You know, fantastic, holds up the ball, scores with his head, he does everything right. Um, but I just don't think he's had the chances this season, mm-hmm. has he? Um, it's always been about Werner. When Werner's not played well, he's still managed to get in the team because of the price tag, what he paid for him. Yeah. Um, but you can't go on the price tag of a footballer. It's about how they form. And if they're performing to the standards Chelsea want and expect them to. Um, you've got to go with players in your team who's performing week in, week out, not players who's having off game after off game. And I think Havertz learned that way, didn't he? Um, Chelsea not playing him because he didn't play well, obviously. What did you pay for him? £90 million, was it? 74 74 74 yeah. yeah. So it's, it's a lot of money, isn't it? But you've got, with Chelsea, the hierarchy of the club and the price tag that comes with it, it's a massive step in it, and it's you've got to expectation. levels. And yeah. Maguire at Man United as well, eighty million pound captain of Man United. They've got to perform ten levels, and it's under a can steam a lot of pressure. And you know what I mean. And they're a big club as well, Manchester United. And the, if you don't perform to them levels, the fans are going to be on your back, aren't they? And 
I think Chelsea have done that with Werner and Havertz this season as well. They've been very vocal about them when they've not performed well. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I did notice with Abraham, um, I put a tweet up, a quite sad picture. It was while the players were warming up before kickoff at Wembley. It was just Abraham, you know, leaning on, you know, the bench almost in his full tracksuit, obviously not in the match day squad. But he just looked quite sad, you know, and hands in his pockets. And even at half, you know, full time, he was consoling all the players. And you know what Chelsea means to him. Mm. So it's quite sad to see that. And I mean, check out the picture after Jack. But, um, yeah. But it's just a bit like, as I mentioned, he should be playing regularly and Tuchel's not his fan. And we saw what his girlfriend, mm. I think, posted on Instagram <laughs> about, about Tuchel. So, um, so yeah, um, and we love Giroud as Chelsea fans. We absolutely love Giroud. And, um, it's almost like a type of player we know that if we keep hold of him, when we do play him, he'll perform and get mm. goals. So mm. another player that be, should be maybe playing more often, but he did get his chances this season. And when he has gotten his chance, he scored. But the last couple of months, two calls, obviously, as you mentioned, gone for Werner or, or, um, or Havertz. Mm. What do you guys think to Kante? Let's talk uh. to a former Leicester player as well. Just, let's just talk, listen, ha- listen to our previous podcast and rave on about it. Let's, <laughs> let's, actually, let's actually get your thoughts on Kante's um, a Chelsea perspective. Um, he won the league with Leicester, absolutely superb that season. Shame he had a release clause because we wanted to keep him that badly. But, you, you know, you can understand why he left, but he left on good terms. Um, he's won a lot since the Europa League, the World Cup. Um, I think the Champions League, he wants to win that as well, doesn't he? And he's yeah. won the Premier League the season after he left Leicester. What do you guys think to Kante um, as a footballer and overall since he's been at his time at Chelsea? He's, he's the Rolls Royce, isn't he? he? He's just a player that he just does everything you need him to do. He, he covers every blade of grass. He doesn't stop running. Um, I mean, his injury, his injuries are very few and far between. And, and if he does get injured, he's not sideline for months and you don't really miss him so I think he's I think he um, I mean obviously from a Chelsea perspective he done the right thing by by leaving Leicester at the time I think he at the time I think he he needed a, a change um, not to say that you know Leicester he couldn't yeah. have stayed at Leicester but I think he, he needed he needed to change and to, to test himself somewhere else as well um, so and I think he's done really well you know I, I can't I can't think of many games where I thought, oh, you know, I, I take Kante off at half time or, you know, I'll take him off after 60 minutes. He's, he's been poor. Um, and I like that he gets stuck in, you know, he gets stuck yeah. in. He's, he's, he's not the biggest player on the pitch. He's, he's probably not the strongest player on the pitch, but he just gets stuck in, um, you know, and he, yeah, he picks up a few yellow cards on the way, but you take that for the type of player yeah. that he is and where he plays as well. Yeah, he's, he's a machine. He works machine. hard, doesn't he? Um, Kante, um, you know, PSG becomes sniffing at some point because he's French, isn't he? And they like their French players, PSG. Um, Kante never really has a bad game, does he? he mm. He's here, there and everywhere. And I think Saturday he played fantastically well. Um, and at Leicester, we just won. As Leicester fans, we love to see him do well and we're grateful to have him before and it's been a privilege to watch him. Um and it's great to see him doing well. Um, and we've got so much respect for Kante and he's left on good terms with Leicester fans. So good luck to him. Definitely, yeah. yeah. We love him. We love him. All we have to do is look at the... Yeah, just Europa look League after final. him for us. Yeah. <laughs> Europa, <laughs> Europa League final in Baku. He was playing on one leg, I think. And yeah, yeah. just pocketed the whole Arsenal squad. And we love it. We just absolutely love it. Yeah. And, and, and I think you're right. I think eventually, you know, PSG, um, that's the only club, any, any other French clubs, I can't really see him going to, but PSG would probably want him at some point. So that'd be a shame if we, we do lose him because I think he he's very irreplaceable. Um, yeah. uh, I don't think he's, he's a, he reminds me, um, you know, we, we struggled to replace Makaleli at one point. Makaleli, yeah, that's what um, they were referring him to, wasn't they? When yeah, he was yeah. Leicester than Makaleli or Chelsea. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, we struggled to replace him. Um, and we've got, the, I suppose, the second best thing in Kante so if we lose Kante it's a massive void in, in any club Leicester Chelsea wherever he you know he ends up and moves yeah. on it's, it's a massive void so um, I hope we have him for a few more seasons <laughs> um, at least we can try and get him the Champions League beforehand but it, yeah it's just um, brilliant player you know yeah. he's, he's, he's one of a one of a kind isn't he yeah, he is. He, you don't realise his ex is that small, and he. Do you know what I mean? If you're a lanky player, you're going to see where the ball's being taken from. He must and be a nightmare know, to play works, against as well. He works so hard. Um, 
he likes to like really go backwards and run the ball forwards, and that's what you love to see from Kante. Um, is a it's like a machine on the pitch. You love him when he's playing for your club, but hate playing against him. You know what I mean? And we've got Wilfred Ndidi, so every time it's like playing against Chelsea, it's the comparison between them two. And obviously, they could say Kante's won more than Ndidi because of the World Cup and stuff like that. Um, but they're two great players, aren't they? Ndidi and Kante. There's, they're probably two the the best centre defensive midfielders in the Premier League. Yeah. I'd have to agree. I mean, the, the, the you know the quality that they they bring to the Premier League as well is great. But um, yeah, it'd be sad if we lose them. It'd be a massive void. Uh, I know we've got some young, <clears throat> excuse me, some young players coming through our youth team, yeah. but they're nowhere near Kante level. And I don't think we'll ever we'll ever see a Kante again in the Premier League. If I'm honest, um, one thing Theo wanted to ask um, around the Harry Kane situation, if if Tottenham said because I think we did we not try and get um, Luka Modric a few years ago yeah, I'm sure it was a, 2011 before he went to Madrid I think that was yeah. it yeah so we've sniffed around with Spurs before but we've never actually done anything with Spurs that I can really remember and um, if Tottenham said 200, 200 million pounds which I think the minimum he's going to be going for regardless is 150 I think yeah. I don't I don't think he'll go anywhere for less than 150 mil because it's Chelsea, they'll whack on another 50 mil <laughs> because it's Chelsea. Rivals um, and all that. Rivals and just, they probably don't really like us as a club. Um, w- would you take him for 200 mil or would you would you shop around and say, hold on, we could probably try and t- entice Lukaku to come back for, for less or... Ah, uh, 200 million. I think we're getting... We're, I think Tuchel has given a lot of money this summer. From yeah, red, I think about yeah. 130 or 150 million and the position we desperately need to strengthen is a striker so I'm going to say yes for 200 million <laughs> <laughs> with the prices that I, players are going for nowadays yeah no it's right why not it's but right. I'm a huge fan of Lukaku as well and I feel like it's almost his destiny to come back to Chelsea at some stage and mm. Conte's almost gotten the best out of him and he seems to be playing football with a smile on his face which we weren't seeing so much at United but um, but yeah, Haaland, Lukaku, and Kane. It's almost like you're picking between a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, and a Maserati. You know, they're like, <laughs> Take your amazing, pick. yeah, amazing players. But if we get yeah. one of the three this summer, I think we'll be a powerhouse in the Premier League and in Europe next season. And and Jack, as just before we wrap up, um, let let's just say you you made top four. Yeah. I won't, I won't mention Chelsea at the moment. You made top four. Um, obviously, you've won the FA Cup. Going into next season, what do you think Leicester need to do uh, to strengthen the squad? Or is there anything that needs to happen for Leicester to, to sustain? Because I think we have to look at Leicester now as a as a top four club. You know, We have to look yeah. at top six, top four club because it's looking likely that you're sustaining that you know, yeah. momentum. So um, what needs to happen, if anything, at Leicester um, next season? I think with Leicester, it's about keeping the squad together that we've got. Don't tell anybody this summer because they're a great bunch of lads. We've got a great ownership. The manager's close with the owner. Um, and the old team is a family. You know, you can see the way they are on the pitch. Look at them on Saturday after the game. The owner came down and look how close the bond of the football club is. The family, not just on the pitch, but in the city of Leicester as well. Um, and I think everyone neutrally likes to watch Leicester and see how they get on, especially after the title-winning season. Um, but we're signing Bobakri Sommer from Lille, and Lille are top of um, league one, aren't they, at the minute, going into the last game of the season. So we're getting him, their midfielder, for 24 million, 30 million euro. Um, and we're also looking on signing Atalanta's left back. Is it Robin Gozens? Mm. So two fantastic players there. And obviously Edward from Celtic. We're being linked with Ivan Tony from Brentford. So Leicester's linked with everybody. You know, since we've progressed and go into the highest levels, we're being linked with everyone. Tom, Dick, and Harry. So you know, we've just got to wait and see as fans and just see what business Brendan Rodgers has got in mind and see where we're going to go next yeah no and I think it'd be interesting I think that the the next season is going to be um 
I mean, Chelsea will improve, I'm sure. Liverpool definitely will improve um, as well. Same with City, with Aguero leaving um, and United need to improve as well. So it's going to be, I think, more challenging if we get the fans back in as well. I think it'd be more of a challenge for all the clubs. So um, Theo, I'll throw it to you. Um, We know what we need. If we get Champions League this season, what's the objectives for next season for, for Chelsea? In terms of summer signings or... Let's say we get the ideal number nine, Harry Kane comes in. Are we are we pushing for the league next season? A hundred percent, yeah. Yeah. I think so. I agree. Um I agree. Yeah. I was gonna keep it as a simple answer, yes. Yeah. I think if we can extend Thiago Silva which I think we haven't done that yet, we extend his contract for um, you know, another year, he can keep us, you know, cover the cracks over at the back. Um, we get the prolific number nine that we need, Mendy maybe offload some of the plays that we don't need there as well. I think Danny Drinkwater is still on the books. I think I've mentioned that before. <laughs> you can have him back, Jack, if you want. But... No, I'm all right. I've lost the receipt for him, so I don't want him back. He's in Turkey now, isn't he? Um, I think so, yeah. He's so... not had the greatest of um, life at Chelsea for £35 million, pounds, so you guys can keep him. Yeah, yeah. Well, just chuck him in the bin if you want to get rid of him. We've still we got the receipt back. somewhere. Don't Jackson. send him back to us, please we'll, don't. We'll get a refund on that one. Um, but yeah, no, um, yeah, I agree, Theo. You know, I think we, we if we get the number nine, we've got to we've got to push for the league. Um, we had a poor season, which we all know about this season. Um, and the final question, Sophie, I'm going to ask you, and um, you may have already answered this, but if we, we don't win the Champions League and we miss out on top four, have we had a bad season? I mean, yes and no. Yes, because, you know, with Chelsea, we want to be in top in the top four. We want to be keep competing in the best competitions. And no, because when you look at where we were in January, we'd sacked the manager, we were in six. We just brought in a new manager. You know, he didn't get to sign his players. He hasn't had a preseason yet. Then, you know, it's almost like the season's null and void and you, we start again from the summer. So it's a tricky one. But I think with the quality of players we have and the quality of the manager who's now looking like he's settled in London and at Chelsea, I think it will be really disappointing. And I just don't want to watch us in the Europa, if I'm honest. Yeah, and I think I think that's it. I think the pre- someone said to me earlier today that the pressure will be on Tuchel. But if we're honest, the pressure's on every manager next season. Um, you know, clubs will spend money, whether that's, astronomical amounts or just you know increasing the squads but every manager every season is under pressure it doesn't matter whether you you know and no one expected us to be in the Champions League final um this season or maybe even the FA Cup you know we had a, a really good run I think Leicester's was a lot harder than ours and I think we touched on that last episode as well but um yeah I, I don't think we can judge Tuchel this season um and he didn't want to take the job anyway halfway through the season that was documented before he took the job that you know ideally he wanted to start in the summer um fresh clean slate and not be picking up you know the the, the failings of other others but um I, I, yeah i i think we judge him after next season and, and go from there and i think he's only on a 18 month uh contract anyway i think um with the view to extend after that and there's been talks that they want to do that, but I'm pretty sure they'll do that after the Champions League final as well. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting run up to the end of the season, obviously for, for Chelsea, for Leicester. Um, once again, obviously, Jack, congratulations on Saturday. Um, big, big achievement for, for Leicester. And like I said, you could see what it meant to the, to the club, to the, to the owners, to the fans. So congratulations on that. But just tell, um, everyone where they can find you and, and what you do as well. So I do Leicester Fan TV. You can follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Periscope, Twitter, Facebook. Go and find us at Leicester Fan TV. Uh, we're a great bunch of lads who just um, love our football club um, and we enjoy what we do. We don't do it for money or anything like that. We just do it just because we love Leicester City. Um, we do watch-alongs, content. So if you're a neutral fan, pop over, go and see what we do subscribe to Leicester Fan TV and you won't be disappointed yeah no, and and um, yeah I'm sure we'll get you back on at some point might, might be uh, sooner than you think but <laughs> 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 might be Wednesday you never I'll know so. on Wednesday <laughs> <laughs> so keep your diary free Jack on, on Wednesday we might be in touch um, but Theo just just tell the listeners as well where they can find you as well 
Yep. So my name's Theo. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Sesky Time. Fabregas picture. Huge fan of Fabregas. The kid in the back, as you can tell. Um, drop me a follow and also make sure to follow us on, um, on Instagram from the shed end and score between all the, the words of from the shed end. Um, posting a lot of content, you know, from the past of Chelsea polls. Um, a lot of, you know, I was at, I've posted some pictures and stories when we were at Wembley on, um, on Saturday. So make sure to follow us there and interact with us a lot. We love the engagement. Um, so keep doing that. Yeah. And obviously myself, T dot underscore producer. So I do music as well. That's why you got the producer in there, but also, um, yeah, like Theo said, you can follow us at from the shed end on Twitter as well. Um, which you can see at the bottom as well. And obviously if you're not watching, it's at from the shed end, um, on Twitter. So engage with us, all of that stuff, you know, let us know your thoughts on the games. Um, but this has been from the shed end episode 10. Thank you to Jack, Theo. Thank you very much, everyone.